Welcome to the Teacher Transition Podcast, where we celebrate the amazing things former teachers are now doing outside of the classroom. And where teachers who are considering making a move of their own can find the resources, guidance, and support that they need to take their next steps. I'm your host, Allie Parrish, and I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome back to another episode of the Teacher Transition Podcast. You guys, we have been spending weeks and weeks, literally months, discussing instructional design, how teachers can become instructional designers. We have met with so many instructional designers who are former teachers and who work at a variety of different companies. I love that we've been able to discuss this in so much depth. I hope you can see that with our podcast and the resources that we're providing with Teacher Transition, that I really want you to have everything that you need to not only find out, you know, a list of different job opportunities that there are out there for you, but to actually help you to land those opportunities to become educated about them. So we are going to move on to some other career options, right? I call them transition tracks. I want your transition to be a very smooth experience. And so I'm really trying to provide you with, with practical information, examples of other teachers and online courses and resources to help you have a smooth transition with that. So In this episode, we are going to cover some of the most frequently asked questions that I get about instructional design from teachers before we move on to other career options. So the the questions we're going to cover today come from people in our Facebook group recently and questions that I just get frequently, as well as a couple that have come from course members from time to time. But first, Before we jump into these questions, I just want to send a shout out to some of our course members. One of our course members is Callie, and Callie has jumped into the course. She just recently signed up. She's jumped right in and really hit the ground running. So much so that one of our experts in our course community reached out to me this week and said, hey, so there was a question from Callie, and she asked such and such. It seems like she already has an instructional design job, right? Because she's using these terms and she's asking about this real project. And I said, no, 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 no. She's actually the most recent person who signed up for the course. She's using those terms because of what we cover in module one and module two. And she's referring to that project because course members are working on projects, right? So way to go, Callie. I I also clarified Callie wants this to be her concluding year of teaching, and she wants to land an instructional design job by the end of the school year. So way to hit the ground running, Callie. Awesome, awesome example. You're doing great as a sign of really good things to come. Also to Kelly in our course, you guys, Kelly is close to retirement, doing a fantastic job lining up contracting opportunities um, so that as she retires and wraps things up that she she'll have the next things that she wants to do ready to roll. So way to go, Kelly. And thank you for letting me know some of the things that you're needing to start with contracting. We will be getting those resources in place for you. Also to our course members, I've loved seeing the accountability groups that you're making. Those who are in the instructional design course, those are in that are in the find your next dream job course. Just great, great job, you guys. Way to really take it into your own hands way to own 
your own path and to create the future that you want. So really proud of you guys. And I'm cheering for you all the way. Okay. Let's jump into today's topic of the most frequently asked questions that I get from teachers and others about instructional design. All right. The first one is, do I need to get a degree in instructional design or curriculum and instruction or educational technology? Okay. The answer is no, but let me explain. First off, what I see most frequently in kind of the characteristic traits of a lot of the teachers and not just in our community, but really teachers in general, it's a lot of perfectionism, a lot of, okay, I'm not legitimate unless I have a piece of paper that tells me I'm legitimate about this. Like, unless if I have a degree in something, right? Like I need them to give me permission to apply to these jobs and to land these jobs. That's not the case at all. You really don't need a master's degree in this to do this. You need the ability to do this. And you're already a teacher. So you already have experience distilling, not just information, but creating a learning path, a learning plan and learning resources. And folks, that is the role of an instructional designer. Are some of the tools and strategies different? For sure, of course but you're great at, at lifelong learning. In fact, most teachers tend to love it. So let's just help you learn the, the strategies, the processes, and, and maybe some of the tools so that you feel whatever confidence you want to feel as you apply to and land and start those opportunities. So you do not need a degree in it. Am I opposed to degrees? No, of course not. I just don't think that you need to put yourself in incredible debt to then be paid to need to learn to actually have hands-on experience doing something. You can you can learn it, you can do it, you can land it without needing to take out huge loans or do years of study that oftentimes doesn't reflect what it really looks like in the workplace. Okay. I love that our course is so much more reflective of instructional design work than, than most instructional design master's programs. So do you need a degree in it? No, 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 no. You need to simply do it. So let's help you do instructional design and just land the opportunities you want. All right, let's move on. Next question. What if a job listing says that I need a degree in it? Well, that's a great question. So let me take you into kind of my shoes. When I hire an instructional designer to come on a project for my learning design company, I can look at their resume and if they have a portfolio, excellent, right? And I can, let's say I've got two people applying. Well, let's say I have six people applying to positions. Some of them submit resumes, some of them submit portfolios. And let's say I need a very specific thing done on the project that I'm hiring for. Well, if someone tells me that they have a degree in it, or if someone else shows me that they can do this or they have experience with it, I'm going to lean toward the candidate who has good experience doing it. Good might be one project that they've done. Good might be not even a real project for a real company. They're just demonstrating that they're good at that and that they have competence. I'm probably going to go with that candidate. I have had applicants, even with doctorates, even people who've been directors of 
of other organizations apply for things and they have not been the candidate that I've selected simply because what I needed was not necessarily someone who'd been a director, a director of something or who had a doctorate in it. I needed someone who could create the learning resource of that project. Okay. So I went with the candidate that showed me that they could do that. So if something says you need a degree in it, you know, the first instructional design job that I applied to, it also said that I needed a degree in it, but then I demonstrated for them that I had the competence that they wanted. What companies really want, they don't want a degree. They want someone who can do whatever it is they need done. So simply show them that, let them see that and you're good to go. That's what they really care about. But if they can write a job description for a unicorn, right? Something that doesn't really exist, a wish list. Sure. Why not? Why not put a degree on it? Especially if they're receiving a lot of applications, someone might eliminate themselves as an applicant, but don't be the person who does that to yourself. Okay. If they choose to not hire you, let that be their choice, not yours. Okay. Go ahead, apply for it anyway. Excellent. Next question. How long should I teach before transitioning? Will I be more likely to land a job with more experience? Okay. Now let's, let's point out it's not more experience doing instructional design necessarily. It's more teaching experience. Some of the guests that we've have, had on the podcast recently have been like Becca Pike. She didn't teach in a classroom at all. She prepared to be a teacher and then she went toward instructional design. If you teach for a longer extent of time, it's not necessarily preparing you to be a better instructional designer. So you do not need to teach for more years in order to transition more effectively into instructional design. What you do need to do is you need to learn and then go for instructional design positions. Okay. So no, you don't need to continue teaching longer to feel more qualified. Sometimes the longer you teach, they might be like, wait, 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 wait. They, that is their career path then that they're taking. Whereas if you do it for a shorter amount of time, you can say, no, I, I intentionally, you know, went into teaching for these reasons and I've fulfilled that and, and done that much. And now I'm taking it to the next level and intentionally directing my career path toward instructional design using what I've learned as far as pedagogy, uh, instructional methods and design as a springboard into that. Okay. So great, 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 great question. Okay. This is one of definitely the most frequently asked questions. What kind of job opportunities are there? Do you ever feel like as a teacher, you know, you're in your classroom, you know what you do, you are so familiar with it and you look out into this world of work beyond the classroom and it just kind of seems mysterious. Like, what is it really like out there? What else is there? So let me just give you kind of a high level view and then we'll zoom in on this a little bit more. There are full-time opportunities. There are part-time opportunities. There are opportunities full-time and part-time that are remote and full-time and part-time that are on site. There are opportunities where you are the employee of that company or where you are a contractor. So kind of you are your own company working for other companies. You can work for companies like education companies, universities, non-education companies, non-profits, for-profits, 
you know, corporations, small and large, so many different things. And like I briefly referred to earlier, you can make your own company. So maybe your company makes courses or PowerPoints. Maybe you outline trainings. Maybe you develop the resources. Maybe you're scripting what learning materials or PDFs or training manuals or, or learning ins- instructional resources. The possibilities really are endless. There are so many different things that instructional designers do. If it's from planning the learning experiences to creating them, to doing kind of the QA, QC, like the quality assurance and quality checking of them, editing, proofing so much. There, there is so much that instructional designers do. But what kind of actual work do they do, right? If, if they're full-time or part-time or for their own company or for another company or university, what is the work that they are doing? Well, it depends on where they're working. So if you are working at a university as an instructional designer, the role is going to be very different than if you are at, you know, a for-profit instructional design or a for-profit company as an instructional designer. At a university, you could be doing things like assisting professors or developing and making the courses or ensuring that the learning strategies and the resources and materials, whether they're online courses or whether they are instructional videos, whether you're proofing them or creating them, you're ensuring that they're that they're excellent, okay? You might be training the, the professors or assisting and helping them when it's needed. If you have wanted a job training teachers, which a lot of teachers want that job, working at a university, oftentimes involves training professors, as we heard from Sharon in one of the earlier episodes in the incredibly rewarding work that she does, okay, with the college where she's working. So, so, so many opportunities like that at universities. But what if you're not working for a university? What if you're working for a company? Instructional designers at companies do a variety of things. Maybe you are planning and outlining what the learning materials are going to be like, or maybe you are creating them. Okay. You're creating learning and training resources experience for those that they serve. We're going to call those that that you serve. They're not students, right? We're going to be calling them your learning audience. If you're working for an education company, they are going to be students or teachers or administrators or instructional coaches, right? If you're working at a nonprofit, it might be your local community or whatever audience you're serving. If it's for a company, maybe you're helping the employees learn. We call that training, right? Ongoing training or professional development. Maybe you're helping customers or the company's clientele that they serve to learn and grow and develop. That's why the field is called learning and development, L&D or training and development. Are you tired of feeling like you're trying to do this all alone? Are you unsure of what path to take and how to make it happen? Or maybe you're wanting personalized feedback, some collaboration and support to get you to where you wanna be next. Do you want a place where you can ask your questions and get your answers? If so, this is what our membership is all about. Currently in our membership, we are giving every member access to the Find Your Next Dream Job course, 
It helps you identify and land the job opportunities that you want. We're also giving members access to the Next Jobs for Teachers interactive guidebook. It shows you the categories of company types where teachers thrive. It also links you to current openings there and resources to land those openings. We're also providing members with the company directory that shows you, again, company categories, what those companies are like, and links you to current openings there. Along with that, you get access to the resume workshop where a certified professional resume writer shows you exactly what you need to do with your resume to help it bypass the filtering system that eliminates 75% of resumes that are ever sent to companies. They aren't even seen by the people at the company. Along with this, you get discounted access to resume writing services if you want more help. On top of that, with the membership, you always get to attend our live meetings for Q&A support that you want for the support and help that you need. On top of that, you have access to these on-demand resources to get help when you need it for as long as you want it in the membership. You also have our monthly resources that are part of the monthly membership, training and action items customized to the current needs of our members. The first thing you do when you join the membership is you let me get to know you, where you are in your transition process and what help, what interests, everything it is that you have and that you need so that I can be there for you. Think of it as career coaching, professional development, and self-care all for less than the cost of a monthly mani-pedi. Go to teachertransition.com forward slash member to join so that I can know your needs and help you get to where you want to be next. If you have been interested in becoming a trainer or, or going into training, instructional design is really its twin sister right? They go very hand in hand. It's not as much the the stand and deliver role as it is that behind the scenes role. So as a teacher, if you've ever felt like you're kind of in a fishbowl, right? An area where there's all this visibility, where you're very exposed, where you're always up front on the spot where you're always seen, this is less on the spot like that. This is less visibility. It's the creative work behind all of it. And oftentimes it does go hand in hand with, oftentimes it even leads to training positions or vice versa. A lot of trainers become instructional designers. A lot of instructional designers become trainers. And at many companies, they are one and the same. And in previous episodes, we've seen this with Becca and we've seen this with Felicia as they as Felicia was a trainer, a teacher turned trainer turned instructional designer because while she was training, she was like, you guys, we need better learning experiences and better resources for them. And Becca, she went into the instructional design and she's like, Ooh, I want to be doing more of the teaching as well. So then she took it into training. They really go so hand in hand. So those are some of the work opportunities and experiences that they have. What about different roles? Okay. At some companies, they will call certain roles a senior instructional designer and others a junior instructional designer. Sometimes a junior instructional designer is referred to as an instructional developer. At many companies, they do not distinguish 
with the titles of senior and junior instructional designer. Okay. But the roles can be very different. So I'm going to list a handful of things and depending on the company, depending on the needs, an instructional designer might have all of these responsibilities or just one of these responsibilities, but here are some of the many different responsibilities that instructional designers do in their roles. So a senior instructional designer, or maybe they don't refer to it as junior and senior, but this person is going to be determining what are the learning needs. As teachers, we are so familiar with standards and objectives, right? And maybe hearing those words, you're like, oh, great. I know, I know exactly what we're talking about. I love focusing on the standards. So I know what my role and responsibility is, like what, what we need to accomplish. Well, somebody came up with those, right? Someone needs to come up with what people are going to learn. How are we going to know if a learning material or learning resources is successful and effective? Well, someone needs to determine what the needs are. You're also going to determine what the objectives are. And you'd meet with the SME or the subject matter expert, the people that know a lot about this. You know, a lot of teachers ask, and, and people who aren't teachers, but are just interested in instructional design, they're like, how can I work for a different company if I don't know all of their, all, all of the content, or if I'm not an expert on that topic or, or what they do, you don't have to be the subject matter expert. They have employees that already are right? You're going to come in because you're an expert of learning. You're an expert of learning strategy and of creating learning resources. And they need you for that because they don't have that expertise. So you meet with that person to gather and glean the information that you need, right? Or the resources that they have that has the information that you need. You're going to determine the strategy for the learning. You're going to determine the sequence, okay? By strategy, I mean basically like a learning experience or a learning plan. You know, are they going to be doing this with PowerPoints? Are they going to be um, doing online lessons? Is this going to be live instruction, in-person instruction? Are you going to have manuals? Are you going to have a workbook? W what are they going to be doing? Is it going to be direct instruction? discovery-based learning, so many things like that, that you are a professional at because of what you've already studied and what you've already done. Okay. Other, other things that this role does, sometimes instructional designers also wear the hat and have the responsibility of a project manager. They're working on the timeline of a project. Okay. If, if it's a big project with a lot of different resources you're, you're going to make. Maybe there are PowerPoints that need to be done and workbooks and, and so much more. Maybe there, you need to train the trainer resource as well as the resources for the learner. Then you're going to help with developing the timeline. What needs to be done first? All right. That might not be a role that you have, but it might be depending on the company. So um, what about a junior instructional designer or Maybe they don't call it a junior, or maybe that's an instructional developer. Again, so many different titles, different roles. They might be doing things like the actual writing of the manuals, the actual scripting of the resources, the actual creating of the clickety click click, right? And all the different techie tools that, that we use to create materials. So think of all the online resources you use as a teacher. Think about your favorite websites, your favorite instructional tools and resources. There are a lot out there, right? Same thing with instructional design. 
But did you need to know all of those tools before you became a teacher? No, you didn't. So this is carrying us into our next couple of questions. The first one is someone reached out and they asked, what if I'm afraid of tech? Okay. And the other person asked, what tools do instructional designers use most often? Okay. Let's talk about each of these. So what if you're afraid of tech and what tools do they use? Well, it really depends on the role. For many, many, many instructional designers, especially those in more experienced roles or, or more senior level roles, they use Microsoft Word or Google Docs, Excel, PowerPoint, Pencil, and a whole lot of Expo markers on whiteboards, okay? They're designing strategy. They're determining what's going to be the coolest way to go about this. They're sketching out ideas and getting thoughts down. Oftentimes, that does not involve any tech resource that you don't already know. It involves ideas, okay? It involves good communication. It involves creativity and brainstorming. So if you're afraid of tech, I wouldn't worry about it at all for that kind of work. But what about development work? What if you're an instructional developer? You're actually developing and creating the resources. Well, if you're developing just the text of it, you're still just probably using Microsoft Word or Google Docs, right? You're just getting word and text and ideas scripted. If you're writing the assessments for things, you're just writing, okay? But obviously someone is going to load the content and do the clickety click click and make it interactive if you're working for a company or if you're working on a project where they need resources like that. So there are a lot of tech tools out there and they're always going to be changing. The most popular or current important ones to know. We cover all of that in the course, the From Teacher to Instructional Design course. But what you want to keep in mind is, again, the tech is always going to change, but you do want to know something that can help with the basics of each. So you do want to know if you are applying for a job that is instructional development, right? It's the, the building work then you do want to know something that can record for video. You would want to know something that can make an online course. There are so many resources out there to do that. There are more every single month, right? New ones are popping up all the time. We go over the most important ones in the, in the course, but yeah, there's many roads lead to the same destination. That is the same case in instructional design as well. So Let's go to our next question. How do you get experience using the programs that are important to know? So really the best experience, as you already know, as a teacher, the best learning comes through experience. And so how do you get experience using the programs? You work on projects. What if, but you're like, wait, I'm in a classroom. I don't, I'm not working for a company doing this. Folks, you're in a classroom. You're creating learning every day. So you can create your own project. You can have it be educational if you want, or you can create a project that is not on some of your K-12 or if you're a professor, you, you can create content on your learning material or content that is not on 
that kind of learning material. You can work with an organization in your local community. You can find someone else who needs work done or resources created. In the course, you're going to work on an actual project. If you are in the course and, and you opted for the option of becoming certified, I love introducing um, those who are certified to companies that want actual work done. So I'm more than happy to do that. But yeah, work work on a project. We have project options for you in the in the course and so much more that that you can come up with and can work on. So I love also seeing the creativity of the people in our course as they come up with so many ideas and options of projects that they can work on for various organizations, right? We've had some do projects with um, some cancer research organizations, others with sleep apnea doctors, others with government organizations, and so much more educational and non-educational. I, I love seeing the creativity and, and the real things that you're creating. So great, great, great job. All right. Some of our last questions. How do you get hired in instructional design with a diverse background that isn't all inclusive of education and or teaching? Well, great news for this question, right? The instructional design field is incredibly welcoming to and appreciative of people with different backgrounds. Everyone brings different insights and different ideas. Instructional design thrives on creativity. And so it really appreciates people that are bringing their different strengths and their different backgrounds to it. So don't hesitate at all to go for it. All right. Next question. What skills should we identify on our resume for instructional design? This is such a great question. As I've mentioned before, there are very, very, very different instructional design kind of jobs or responsibilities that they have. Your best answer to this question is the job description of the specific instructional design job that you're applying to. If you are applying to a university, it's going to look very different than for a company. If you're applying for company A versus company B in job role A versus job role B, it's going to be very different. So your best guide is that job description. The second best thing for you is going to be the resume resource that we have for you. And even if you're not in the instructional design course, you can can get access to that, right? But 75% of resumes are never even seen by a human at the companies that you're applying to. Why? Because they receive too many. So they're using a filtering tool. It's called an ATS, right? Tracking system. And it's going to filter the majority of resumes. And you need to know how to get past that filter. So we had a certified professional resume writer come on. She joined us live and she gave us all the training that you would want and showed us the online tools that help with it as well. You're going to see your resume score and how effectively it's going to bypass that filtering system so that they actually see your resume. And of course, in the course, you have the templates that we provide for you that have the terminology and the structure to help bypass that and to help you apply effectively after you've bypassed it. But 
you know, it's a great question. What skills should we identify? Well, it depends. Do they want someone who's helping with strategy or do they want someone who can just develop on storyline, right? One of the many tools you could know. So excellent question. Your best guide is their job description. They're going to let you know what skills you need to identify on that resume. And that's also going to help you get past the ATS system. So excellent. Here's our next question. What can I do to make myself stand out more when applying for an instructional design position? Remember how I referred earlier to the scenario of let's pretend I have multiple applicants and some of them has a, have a resume and some of them have a portfolio. The thing that can make you stand out is your portfolio. Maybe you're thinking, wait, I don't, I don't have a portfolio. Well, I've got a portfolio template for you, right? In the course, we have portfolio templates. If, if you want to have your own website, you can absolutely do that. We've got guidance for you there. If you want something that's low tech and easy to just make and take in less than an hour, we've got it for you there as well. But yes, you will stand out more effectively by having a portfolio. In the course, I also show you resources so that you can see hundreds of instructional design portfolios um, almost instantly. And yeah, so you can kind of see, you know, what do other people's portfolios look like? What could I create or have in mind as well? So yeah, a portfolio will definitely help you stand out. What you put in it will help you be uh, more effective for certain positions and roles that you'd like as well. So great question. And one of our last questions, where else do we need to network besides LinkedIn? This is one of the things that I am so happy about with our membership. I've had teachers um, kind of at our, our VIP level, so to speak, in the membership, and they've reached out and said, hey, I really want to have a position like this. And in communicating back and forth with them, it's like, okay, well, here are some companies and I have personal connections there. Would you like me to connect you with them? And they've said yes. So in less, I mean, in very, very, very little turnaround time, in less than 24 hours for some of them, we've connected them with those specific companies and they've connected them with multiple instructional design designers at those companies and at others. They've even given them some of their free tech tools. Pretty, pretty cool. I love that a teacher who wants more opportunities, who isn't in the best circumstances at the moment, who wants to become an instructional designer, that she was able, without going to get a master's degree, putting herself into further debt and years of learning, that she was able to connect with a company in her area immediately and receive personal contacts, kind of nurturing and mentoring, applicable and relevant to what she wants. I hope that feels liberating to anyone hearing this, right? That you can have those kinds of connections. Others have been connected to other companies. So if you are looking to network, I'm happy for those who are in our membership to, to help connect you with anyone and everyone that I can. So connect you to individuals, companies. We can have some guest speakers come on as well, but really you get on my radar when you're in that. I, I love that I can know our members um, by name. And so, yeah, 
so happy to help with that. Also in our course called Find Your Next Dream Job, we have a whole section that is about how to work with mentors, how to find a mentor, how to connect to companies, not just on LinkedIn, but in other ways as well, so that you can kind of see what that company is up to, what their latest and greatest is, what's going on. And you really want to nurture those personal relationships. All right. So we have gone over a lot of different questions, everything from what kind of job opportunities are there to what do I need on my resume to how can I stand out and network more effectively? There is so much. I think the thing I want you to feel the most is I want you to feel empowered. I don't want you to feel swamped with information um, that is bogging you down in any way. I want you to feel like this is a springboard of opportunity. If you want to build on your teaching background, your teaching experience, if you want more opportunities, creating learning materials and resources for companies, maybe you want that full-time on-site with benefits. Maybe you want that part-time remote while your kids sleep. Okay. During nap time. I'm familiar with that from some of my career path as well. Whatever it is you want, I want you to feel like you have options available to you. Okay. If this is the kind of opportunity that you want, hop into our course from teacher to instructional designer. Or if you are not sure, you know, do I want instructional design? Do I want to go into training? Or maybe I want to create my own company, but I don't want to have to do this all alone. I could use a mentor and accountability partner and helpful resources, someone I can reach out to, then that resource is going to be our membership. So whatever resource it is that you need, I am here for you for that. And I love helping you with it. So good luck with everything that you have going on right now. And I am so excited to see the amazing things that you continue to do in your path ahead. This episode may have ended, but connecting doesn't have to. Join us on Facebook or Instagram and get the support and inspiration you need in your personal educator path. If you're loving the podcast, help us spread the word. Leave a review or screenshot the episode, share it on social media, and be sure to tag us at Teacher Transition. Who knows? We may even feature what you share on our social media feed too. Until next time, teacher friends, Be sure to click subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the upcoming episodes. Good luck with the great things you're up to right now and keep looking forward to the amazing things to come.